kick off the new year, I get in something a little bit, I say it's controversial, it shouldn't be, science counts. But do we really think it's possible to reach net zero carbon emissions? Well, we're gonna, I'm coming into an article, I got most of the science from Science News. It's a, it's a .org, it's a nonprofit. Uh, there's a lady that was really involved with it. I'm going to quote her and talk about what she went through. And so I want you to know if you want to go look even further into it, Science News is the place to go. Starts out, it's really, really new information, basically. Patricia Hidalgo Gonzalez saw the future of energy on a, literally, a broiling hot day last September. An email alert hit her mailbox from San Diego Gas and Electric Company that extreme heat straining the grid, which was also pinged uh, to another 27 million people to save energy to help avoid power interruptions. Makes sense. It worked. People cut their energy use tremendously. Demand plunged. Blackouts were completely avoided and California successfully weathered a crisis exacerbated by what? Climate change. It was very exciting to see, said Hidalgo, an electric engineer from the University of California, San Diego, who studies renewable energy and the power grid. This kind of collective societal response in which we reshape how we interact with the systems that provide us energy will be crucial in the future as we figure out how to live on this ever-changing planet of ours. Beginning with the facts, we know Earth has warmed about at least 1.1 degrees Celsius since the 19th century, when the burning of coal, oil, and other fossil fuels began literally, lack of a better word, belching heat-trapping gases such as carbon dioxide and methane into the atmosphere. Scientists agree that only drastic action to cut emissions can keep the planet from blasting past the 1.5 centigrade degrees of warming, which is a threshold studied by scientists, beyond which the consequences become even more catastrophic than just rising sea levels, extreme weather, and other impacts the world is already experiencing, incidentally experiencing about 20 or 30 years sooner than we thought we were going to. The goal, of course, is to achieve what's known as net zero emissions, where any greenhouse gases still entering the atmosphere are balanced by those being removed and to do that as soon as we can. Scientists say it is possible to swiftly transform the ways we produce and consume energy. To show the way forward, researchers have set out paths toward a world where human activities generate little to no carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases. In other words, it's a decarbonized economy system. The key to a decarbonized future lies in producing vast amounts of new electricity from sources that emit little to none of the gases, such as wind, solar, hydropower, of course, solar power, and then transforming as much of our lives and our industries as possible to run off of those sources. Clean electricity needs to power not only the planet's current energy source, but also the increased demands of an ever-growing global population. I brought this up, I'm sure everybody that's listening knows. We are over eight billion humans on Earth now. Billion, eight billion. More than rats, more than mice, more than rabbits. It's unbelievable. Now, once humankind has switched nearly to clean electricity, 
We will also have to counterbalance the carbon dioxide. We still admit there will be some, yes. We will admit some by pulling an equivalent amount of carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and storing it somewhere, some way, permanently. And admittedly, folks, achieving net zero emissions won't be easy. Getting to effective and meaningful action on climate change requires overcoming decades of, of inertia and denial about the scope and magnitude of the problem. I have a lot of friends that think that. Nations are falling well short of existing pledges to reduce emissions, and global warming remains to be on track to charge past that one and a half degree magic mark we caught perhaps even by the end of this decade. We used to think it'd be by the end of 2050s. It's coming up on us faster than we ever thought. But let's at least talk a little bit about hope. The rate of growth in CO2 emissions is slowly, globally coming down from 3% annual growth in the 2000s to a half a percent annual growth this last decade. And that's according to a global carbon nonprofit project which quantifies greenhouse gases on a worldwide basis. There are definite signs annual emissions are starting to shrink. And over the last two years, the United States, by far the biggest cumulative contributor, we are the contributor, to global warming has passed several pieces of federal legislation that include financial incentives to accelerate the transition to clean energy. We've never seen anything on this scale, folks. Uh, according to Aaron Mayfield, an energy researcher at Dartmouth College, well, there's no doubt energy transition will require many new technologies, such as innovative ways to permanently remove carbon from the atmosphere. Many of the solutions, such as wind and solar and hydropowers, are in hand. Stuff we already have, we just haven't totally utilized. We haven't come close to utilizing it. Of all the emissions we really need to get slashed, the most important one right now is carbon dioxide, which comes from a lot of sources, including, of course, our own cars and trucks, and the biggie, not just so much in our part of the world, but worldwide, is still coal-burning power plants. That gas accounts for 79% of the United States greenhouse gas emissions the last time that it was measured a couple of years ago, accurately. The next most significant greenhouse gas is at about 10-12% emission, and that's methane or methane, however you, where you're from, which comes from oil and gas operations and to some degree from livestock, landfills, and other basic land uses. Although percentage-wise, the amount of methane seems small, it's mighty. Why? Because over the short term, methane is like 80 times as efficient at trapping heat as carbon dioxide itself. And methane's atmospheric levels have nearly tripled in the last two centuries. Our greenhouse gases include nitrous oxides, which come from sources such as fertilizer to a big degree, or even the burning of crops and fuels, and account for about 7% of U.S. emissions and human-made fluorinated gases such as hydrofluorocarbons used in a lot of our, our equipment and everything accounts for another 3%. To kind of put it in perspective, globally, emissions are dominated by large nations that produce a lot of energy. The United States alone emits about 5 billion metric tons of carbon dioxide. I don't even know how you can, can I can't even visualize that. It is responsible for most of the greenhouse gas emissions throughout history and ceded the spot. Listen to this. This is even scarier. We've lost our, our being number one, which I'm so glad, to the next annual emitter, 
China. China now outproduces the bad gases more than us, and India ranks third. So it's we're right in the top, folks. We're part the we're part of the problem. There's no doubt about it. So because of the United States' role in producing most of the carbon pollution to date, because we were for years the big big Kahuna. Many researchers and advocates argue that it is the moral responsibility to take the global lead in cutting emissions. And the United States has the most ambitious goals of all the major emitters, at least on paper, let's say it that way. The current administration has said the country is aiming to reach net zero emissions by 2050. Leaders in China and India have set a net zero goals to 2060 or even up to 27 respectively way down the road, folks. So before I run out of time, let's look at some of the things we really need to do. Number one, make as much clean electricity as possible. To meet the need for energy output, putting carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, countries will need to dramatically scale up the amount of clean energy they produce. Fortunately, most of that energy would be generated by technologies we already know about. Renewable sources of energy, including wind, of course, and solar power. One on study from Princeton University's Net Zero American Project envisions wind and solar power production roughly quadrupling by the year 2030, not too far down the road, guys, to get the United States to net zero emissions by 2050, if not a little sooner, if we really would live with it. That's doubtful. But that would mean building many new solar and wind farms, so many that in the most ambitious scenario, wind turbines would cover an area the size of our central states all together combined. That's worldwide now. That's a lot of wind, so that's a very uh, aggressive project. But that scale-up is possible because prices to produce renewable energy have plummeted. The cost of wind power has dropped over 70%, and the solar power cost over 90% in the last decade, just in the United States alone, and we're not at the head of the game. It was a real game changer that I don't know if some people in the industry even really expected it to be that efficient that quickly. Let's talk about us a little bit. To achieve net zero, the United States will need to increase its share of electric heat pumps, which heat houses much more cleanly and efficient than gas or oil-fired from around 10% in 2020, which is the last number we had, to as much as 75 or 80% of the homes using that system by 2050. It was a big, and that's all according to this Princeton report. Federal subsidies for these sorts of appliances are rolling out big time. In 2023, as a part of the new Inflation Reduction Act, legislation that contains a number of climate-related provisions will be in place this year. Shifting cars and other vehicles away from burning gasoline to running off of electric would also lead to a significant emission cuts. In a major 2021 report, the National Academy of Sciences said that one of the most important moves in decarbonizing the U.S. economy would be having electric vehicles account for about half of all new vehicle sales by the year 2030. And that's not impossible now. I just give you, in the early part of the show, we've increased our electric car use around the world dramatically quicker than we thought. Electric car sales accounted for, in the United States, just 6 or 
uh, of our actual cars, but it's up to 20 and 25 percent in other countries and places like the Netherlands, over half the cars, 60 percent of them are now electric. So, so we're still on a low number, but they claim we're going to almost double that in the next two years. Between now and 2030, solar and wind power, plus increasing energy efficiency, can deliver about half of the emission reductions we need to, to, for our goal. The International Energy Agency estimates after that the primary drivers uh, will need to be increasing electrification, carbon capture and storage, and clean fuels, which we're getting into, such as hydrogen. The trick is to do it all without making people's lives worse. That's the hard part. Developing nations need to be able to supply energy for their economies to develop. Communities whose jobs relied on fossil fuels will need to have new economic opportunities. And to close out, folks, we do have the technologies. We just need to get hold of them to wean ourselves off of fossil fuels. By transforming how we produce and use energy as rapidly as possible is definitely a tremendous challenge, but it's something we can do if we all stick together and shoot for that goal. Thanks for staying in touch with Organic Man.